Good morning, everybody. So good to have all of you today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. Let me welcome our campuses today that are joining with us in Craneville, Illinois, and in Savannah, Tennessee, and Henderson, Tennessee, and Cordova. We welcome you today. We're believing for God to minister to you as we go into the Word of the Lord today. We want you to get ready there as well to receive what God has for you. Would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Acts, the second chapter? And we've been talking to you on this aspect of significant Christianity, how that each and every one of us are called to live lives of significance. Now, I really believe that God has done something special for you. Amen? And, and I believe that He has called you to do something great in your life. And so uh, we've, been, we've been talking about the different aspects, and so I just want to turn your attention back to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse number 42, and it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, when you begin to look at that, when you begin to understand what that passage of Scripture is talking about, basically, uh, this is the, the birth. This is the first few weeks and months of this New Testament church. It's this thing that, that God had been waiting from the time of the fall of man, actually, uh, to implement. We, we a lot of times celebrate uh, the resurrection, and as great as that was, there was a purpose behind the resurrection, and that was to establish this thing called the church. And so God's whole purpose was to get us to this point uh, that he could release the church. And so as the church began to move in to, to what God had called them to, significant things began to happen, and they begin to live significantly. We've talked over the past few weeks about different aspects that we need in our lives. We talked about, first of all, that these people were witnesses and that God has called each and every one of us to be witnesses day in and day out of our lives. And then we talked about how that worship is part of the aspect of being a true believer. And that worship comes out of a relationship with Jesus Christ and how that we are to daily worship Him, to adore Him. But also when we come together, we talked about the different uh, scriptural injunctions about clapping your hands and lifting your hands, singing unto the Lord, uh, and, and we looked at that. And then we talked about how that Christianity really is a community sport. You know, it's, it's really not something you do on your own. You have to be joined together with other believers, other men and women that God has called you to. And then last week we talked about how to walk like Jesus, how, how that daily we're called to walk like Him and to be like Him. Today I'm going to talk about, in fact, I'm going to close this series out today on talking about, we talked about work, my worship, my witness, all these things. Today I'm going to talk about my work. Now, that's a four-letter word, isn't it? Work. W-O-R-K. It's one of those things that we don't want to spend much time on. It's one of those things that we don't want to talk a lot about. And yet, what I find is, is that God has, has brought us into this world for a purpose. Uh, and that purpose is to work. That purpose is to do something. When, when you begin to read the story of Adam and Eve, what you find is, is that you find Adam and Eve uh, are working in the garden. Uh, in fact, the Scripture says that God told them uh, to, to daily to tend the garden to take care of it. And this was all before the fall. 
But what we also read is, is that the Scripture says that every day God came down and they walked together in the cool of the day and that there was this relationship. And so as you begin to study that, what you find is, is that in life, if you really want to be fulfilled in what God's called you to do in work and in service to His kingdom, that, that it all flows out of a relationship with Him. That, that whether we know it or not, and, and I, I assume you've read this scripture, the Bible says that when you work, you are to work as unto the Lord. All right? So you're not working for, you know, a Fortune 500 company. You're not working for your uh, business. You're not working for your profession. You're really working as unto the Lord. Your service is unto the Lord. And so day in and day out, we live this life of work, but our work is more uh, than just showing up 9 to 5, and it's more than what we do when we come into the house of God. It really is a daily lifestyle that God has called us to, but it all flows out of this relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I want to show you today that each and every one of us, that God has especially given us some things so that we can perform the service that He's called us to. I believe that you are special. Amen. Would you just look at your neighbor and just say, I believe you're special. And don't say it in a condescending tone either. Right? I mean, I, I believe with all of my heart that God has, has created us and made us special uh, in His sight. And so as we, as we look at this whole aspect of our work, what we have to understand is, is that every Christian uh, has been given some things, and we're going to talk about that. The book of Ephesians, the second chapter, and the tenth verse says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So first thing that you've got to understand this morning is that every, every one of us, every Christian is created for service. You have been created for service. The Bible says clearly there that it was the handiwork of God and that he created us to do good works. Wow, think about that. God made you, God created you to do something good. He created you for service. In other words, he didn't just create you to have a good time. You know, we live in a society that it's all about enjoyment. Now, I'm going to get in your business, so just get ready. All right? I mean, we, it's, it's well, if, if I don't like this, I'm out of here. If I don't enjoy this, I'm gone. Listen, everything in life is not going to be pleasurable. You're not always going. In fact, the Bible says, in this world, you shall have tribulation. That means you're going to go through some tough times. I, here's what I found is if you don't have tough times, you don't know how to enjoy good times. If you don't go through some valleys of the shadow, then you never know what it's like to be on the mountaintop. And so our problem is, is that we, well, I just, you know, I just want to be on a vacation 24 hours a year. No, no, no. Listen, that's why you go on vacation for a couple of weeks and come home. Right? Because if it's not a vacation, then it's a staycation and you're in trouble. I mean, that's what life is about. Life is about living. Life is about doing something. God created us for work. Boy, we don't like that, do we? God created us for work in the natural, and God created us for work in the spiritual. God made us to work for Him. And, and so, uh, listen, you say, well, I, I don't believe that. Well, have you ever read the Scripture where it says that we were created in the image and in the what? likeness of God. I want to tell you something about God. God's a worker. 
In fact, God works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. God never takes a day off. God never sleeps nor slumbers, the Bible says. God's at it all the time. Well, hallelujah. And so if we are created in his image, then we have been created to do things. I had somebody tell me before service today, and we were talking about running wide open. They said, well, you know, I'd rather, rust out, I'd rather burn out than rust out. And I said, I agree. You know, you know let, let's, what is this deal about just hanging out all the time? God's called us for service. God has created us for service. And so when I begin to understand that, then I begin to say, wait a minute, my life has meaning out of the service that God has called me to. Secondly, it's found in 1 Peter 4.10, and it says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. The second thing is, is that not only were you created for service, but you have also been gifted for service. You've been given gifts, the Scripture says. You've been given talents. You've been given abilities, the Word of God says, that are to be used, uh, and, and it's, it's each one's different. Now, I don't know if you found that out, but how many of you are glad that everybody's not the same? Right? Come on. I mean, I, w- I would just go absolutely crazy if everybody was like me. I mean, you know, there'd be war quickly because, you know, there's, there's got to be different types of personalities. There's got to be different uh, creative people and people who are linear thinkers and, and on and on. God has created us that way, and the Scripture says uh, that, that He's given gifts, and those gifts have been given severally to different ones of us. But here's the deal. Everybody has been gifted. Everybody is called to service. Every human being has been given a gift, and now what we need to do is to find out what that gift is and begin to use that for the glory and for the power of God Almighty. If I've been given a gift, then I need to determine that, and I need to use that so that God can receive glory uh, in my life. Third aspect of service is this, Matthew 28, uh, verse 18 through 20. We all know it well, uh, but I think sometimes we miss it uh, because we have so locked it in. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the end of the age. Now, here's, here's the part that I want you to get. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. All right? So the third aspect of this is that not only have I been created for service, but I have also been authorized for service. In other words, I've been given the authority to do what God's called me to do. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I don't want to ever have a job that I don't have the authority to perform. Amen? Have, have you ever worked for a boss who, who gave you a job but would never let you fulfill it because they wouldn't give you the authority to fulfill it? A lot of fun, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's just a blast. But Jesus authorized. He didn't just say, okay, I'm going to give you responsibility. I'm going to give you something to do. No, Jesus Christ authorized us to serve. And you know what? Serving is not a bad thing. In fact, we need to learn how to serve. 
We've been given authority, but that authority flows out of that relationship with Jesus Christ. And day in and day out as we live, we take that into our lives and we live this life of service unto the Lord. And so I am called by God. I am created by Him. He's given me this ability, but now He gives me the authority to go forth and do what He's called me to do. So when you walk out tomorrow to go to your place of business, whatever that is, you have authority to be there. Let me explain something to you. Wherever you go, there the kingdom of God is. So don't, don't just relegate the kingdom of God to four walls of a building called a church. The kingdom of God is wherever you are. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you take the kingdom of God with you. So if you're a banker, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, uh, if you work in a plant, uh, if you have your own business, if you're a teacher, whatever it is, wherever you go, that's the kingdom of God going with you. And so, therefore, in that place where you are at the kingdom of God, then you have been given authority to operate in that dimension. So whatever you're doing, you are doing it as unto the Lord, and you are living day in and day out to bring glory and honor to Him. But not only am I authorized for service. The book of Matthew, the 20th chapter, goes on to say this. It says, verse 26, says, not so with you. In other words, he's talking to them about uh, being over everybody or being leader. And he says, this is not the way to be. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave. He must be the last. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Number four is this, is that you have been commanded to serve. Now, now I, I want to help you. How many of you have ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Ten of them, right? Here's the eleventh one. I'm not adding to the Bible. I'm just quoting what's, this is the eleventh commandment. You are commanded to serve. Well, I don't like to serve. He didn't ask us. I mean, isn't it interesting how we can be so religious and so spiritual and so holy, but when it comes to serving, it kind of leaves us. When it comes to going out of our way to, to bless somebody, to help somebody, we, you know, we, we kind of go, well, you know, that's, that's not for me. Listen, it's more than what we say with our mouth. Have you, have you ever been embarrassed to be around other Christians? Come on, am I the only one? I mean, there are times, let me, let me just use this one. There are times that I have been in restaurants where church groups came in. And any of you that ever, have ever worked in, in the restaurant industry know that you do not want church groups to come in. Because they're, they're the most lousy tippers, they're horrible to get along with, and you can't please them. Come on, anybody worked in, this, in the food service industry? Am I not telling the truth? And, and I have sat in, in restaurants and been embarrassed to be a preacher. because oh, oh, Now, we're talking spiritual things around the table. We've got the latest, greatest revelation of whatever, but our attitude toward this person who is there to serve us stinks. And then they get up, and they're so chintzy, they leave a track instead of a tip. Let me tell you something. If you're going to leave a track, leave at least a 20% tip. Because, see, we're commanded to serve. We're commanded to do good 
to others. We are commanded by God, and so wherever it goes, it's not just, oh, I've got a great revelation, or I've got my Bible. or No, no, no. It's how we live in a life of service. I, I just go a bit, can I go a bit further? Don't leave it looking like the hogs just left. Come on. I, I mean, I, I sometimes just look at it and go, man, somebody's got to clean that. What in the world? We... Amen. We're, we're believers. We're Christians. We ought to conduct ourselves differently. We ought to go out of our way to serve. You don't know what kind of a, a day that that person has had. You don't know who they just waited on and who just chewed them out. What would happen if when we left our churches today and we went out to eat, that these churches would make a difference in our communities because we go with a spirit of servanthood to make a difference in the life of those who are serving us? See, I'm passionate about some things, and one of the things that I'm becoming more passionate about is living out Jesus Christ outside the doors of the church. It's wonderful to know Jesus in here, but it's also great to take Jesus out there. And the way that we do that is in the conduct. It's in the way that we respond to people. It's in the way that we talk to the gas station attendant. It's in the way that we talk to the postal employee. It's in the way that we conduct ourselves and the person who is five rungs down us in the business that we are in. But we are still understanding that Jesus Christ has called us to be servants. And Jesus said, look, don't lord it over everybody. Don't be the big shot. Don't make people walk five paces behind you. Don't walk in with an entourage. You know, I'll talk about preachers for a minute. Preachers drive me crazy. Preachers wait until the service is already started, and then they come out of their holy of holies. Wander in and want everybody to applaud because now the man has come. And they're preceded by 15 people, one to carry their bottle of water, one to carry their Bible, one to carry their oil, one to carry their stove, one I don't know what they're carrying. And I've been in services sometimes, and I see this entourage come in, I think, man, this guy must have 5,000 in his church. And I ask somebody, how many people he's got? Oh, he's got about 50. Half of them are in the entourage. Give me a break. Come on. We can carry our own bottle of water. We can carry our Bible. I mean, there's, there's just some of these things that are, that are out of balance. As a pastor, we're called to serve. And, and we've, we've got to learn that. We've got to, we've got to bring an example of that within the body of Christ. And, and so when, when we live that way, people get it, and, and they begin to experience Jesus Christ in a special way. Not only that, there's a couple of more of these. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says, So Christ himself gave uh, to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The, the fifth aspect of services is that you have been prepared for service. Uh, when you come together in the body of Christ, when we come together weekly, that's why the Scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Because when we come together, we're being prepared. Th this is the coaching. This is what happens on the sidelines. This is not the game. Amen? I mean, I, I, I see Christians all the time that think the huddle is the game. You don't win the game until you break out of the huddle. This, we're just getting, we're getting the plays sent in. We're, we're getting told where the weak side of the line is. We're getting told what we need to do, how we need to block better, how we need to run better. This, that's what this is about. 
And then we're prepared to go out and do what God's called us to do. And so when you begin to understand that, you begin to live uh, a little differently. And so I, I don't come to church just because I like the music. I don't come to church just because everything's just right. Listen, please understand this. If you go to any church and there's over two people, somebody's not going to like something. The lights are going to be too bright. The lights are going to be too low. The air conditioner is too cool. The air conditioner is not cool enough. The music's too hot. The music's too cool. The man, it, I mean, the singer I don't like. I don't like a guitar. I don't like a drum. I don't like this. I don't like that. Listen, you, you're going to have that no matter what. But when I come to the house of God, what I'm coming for is one purpose alone. And even as the pastor, I'm coming for one thing. And sometimes things come out of my mouth and I go, oh, I didn't know that. That's what revelation is about. And so all of a sudden, I'll get an insight into the Word of God, and I go, man, that was worth coming to church for. And I'm the pastor. That's the way you ought to be. You ought to come in saying, Lord, give me one thing so that I can go back out and I can be of service to my community and to the people who I surround myself with on a daily basis because you have commanded me and you have sent me out to make a difference in other people's lives. Now, that, the last aspect of this is wonderful because I don't know about you. Do, do any of you like uh, to receive rewards? Anybody? Man, I, I, I like rewards. And, and so the Scripture kind of gives us an indication of something. The book of Colossians, the third chapter, verse 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Remember, I quoted that earlier, not for human masters. Since you know, now here's the part that gets me excited. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a, what's that last word? Reward. It is the Lord you are serving. Now, I love that. I, I mean, listen, I love doing good things because it's what you're supposed to do and people receive blessings from that. That's wonderful. But I love knowing that one day I'm going to be rewarded for what I've done. I understand some of you are more spiritual than I am. I'm just doing this because I'm called of God. Well, God bless you. That's great. But God told me I'm going to receive rewards. Now, I believe some of those rewards are down here, but Scripture indicates that there's going to be rewards in heaven. Scripture talks about, and I don't understand all this, and maybe it's an allegory, maybe it's not. But, but some parts of Scripture indicate that, that, you, that people are going to receive crowns when they get to heaven. The Bible says that, that our works are going to, some of them, which are wood, hay, and stubble, are going to be burned up. But that we've got uh, works of gold and silver and precious stones uh, that are going to endure. And the Scripture says that they're going to be crowns. And, and some people, according to what I understand of Scripture, some people are going to receive more than one crown. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to be embarrassed in heaven. I mean, I don't want to get one of those measly little old crowns. No, come on. You know, I, I, I don't want somebody, as I walk by, start whispering. Did you see that? I'm glad I got heavenly eyesight. I couldn't even see it if I didn't. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I want mine stacked up. 
I, I, maybe I, you say, that's prideful. No, no, I, I just, you know, I, I want to be, I want to receive my reward. I want to be blessed. And, and if Scripture is true that we're going to receive rewards, then that's another reason that you and I need to go out and do everything we can to do the work God has called us to so that we can be of service so that one day we can receive the blessings that God has for us. So, and as, as we kind of move through that, it's, Lord, my life can become significant. It's not about the house I live in. It's not about the car I drive. Those are wonderful, but that's not what it's about. It's not about the clothes I wear. It's not about the education I attain. All those things are great. That's not what it's about. It's about what's going to last for eternity. That's what it's about. And so when you begin to understand service, you say, well, how do I go about that? Well, let, let me give you quickly some things and how to, how to live out your service in a daily life, this, this practical aspect. Uh, service involves, first of all, discovering my place of fellowship, all right? In other words, discovering your church home. You, you, you need to. Let me, let me just be pastoral for a moment. You need to have a church home. You don't need to be a member of the cosmic body of Christ. You really need to know somebody and somebody know you. You need to be in fellowship with other believers. And, and, and please don't look for a perfect church. There aren't any. And as I always say, if there were when you got there, so don't look. Just look for where God is calling you to. Look where that, that God has placed you and, and get in there and say, Lord, this is my place. This is where you have called me to be, and I am going to do everything that you have called me to to be of benefit to the kingdom of God so that I can move forward into every blessing that you have for me. Second aspect is, is that you need to discover your gifts. Now, remember earlier I said everybody has gifts. You need to discover them. If you've been saved longer than three months, you ought to know what your gift is. Amen. I mean, it's, it's sad that Christians don't know what their gifts are. I mean, if we were to take a poll of everybody listening to me today, it, it would be scary. In fact, I see Tara kind of striking some of your faces right now. It, it would be kind of frightful how many of us don't know our gifts. That's why as a church, we work so hard with our membership process to, uh, to move you forward where you're understanding the things of God and understanding how to be a believer and understanding how to walk in faithfulness and obedience to the things of God. But also, uh, we, we want to help you to discover what your gift is. Because here's what we found out. If you discover what your gift is and you're using that gift in the kingdom of God, you're much happier and much more productive. Now, here's what I found out. A lot of Christians will do what they're told to do, but they're miserable. Right? And the problem with a miserable person is, come on, you know what? What? They make everybody else miserable. And so what we've got to do is come to that place of understanding that we have giftings. Let's find out what that gift is, and let's use that gift for the kingdom of God. I mean, if you have a gift of hospitality, then we want you at the front door. If you're a prophet, we don't want you there. <laughs> we want to put you in the prayer room, sneak people into you. You know, I mean, I, I have a gift of teaching, but I don't have a real gift of mercy. 
so I don't need to go down the hall and teach the third graders. I love your children. I love it when they come in and hug me, but I'd love to just keep them moving too. <laughs> hug me, darling, and move on. Mama's calling. Now, you know, it's all right. But there are some of you who have great gifts of mercy and, and, and you've got great talent in teaching. And, and, and we all know the saying, he that rocks the cradle rules the world. And, and so you go down and you, you start in that nursery area and you teach. And, and all of a sudden, lives are being changed for eternity because you took time to, to minister out of the gifting that God has for you. So you've got to discover your gifting. And lastly, you've got to discover your place of ministry. What is it? Uh, some of that's in the church building. Some of that's in the facilities as we gather together week in and week out. But sometimes there are other aspects that we can take to the world. And we use those day in and day out to provide what God's called us to do. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Everybody here is gifted. Everybody here has been given something by God. And you know what? It's not just the one who we see up front that's gifted we're all gifted we're all gifted I laid up here this morning a Bible this Bible is old as you can tell I'm sure you can see it in fact I looked at the front of this Bible this Bible was given in 1961 this Bible is 50 years old if I did my math right wasn't very good at math but And to most people, this Bible doesn't mean anything. But to me, this Bible means everything. Most of you have heard me. People watch me on television. People hear me in a lot of places. But most people don't know a little five-foot-nothing short woman that gave me this Bible when I was a child. You probably never heard her name. Her name was Pauline Groose. She was a nurse who God called to be a missionary. She left everything she called precious. In the late 40s, early 50s, went to Liberia, Africa as a missionary. She and one other lady hacked their way through the jungle, 135 miles back into the jungle to a little village called Fossima. It was the place that I grew up. But she wrote in here in the front of my Bible from, presented to Eddie Couples, and it says from Druce, because I couldn't say Groose. She gave me that Bible. She was involved in my life for about six years as a child. But I still remember so much about her. Most people never heard her name. Most people never knew who she was. But because of her willingness to serve Jesus Christ, out of the passion that God gave her, she changed. No telling how many thousands, if not tens of thousands of people's lives. She retired in her late 60s, early 70s, moved to a little retirement home in Michigan and died kind of by herself, not many people around. But here's what I'm going to tell you. When you and I get to heaven, when that line forms for rewards, some of us 
who have had the public platforms where tens of thousands of people have seen us. We're going to be way back at the end of the line. There's going to be a short little woman who gave up everything that was precious to her who I believe is going to be at the front of that line because she found out what it was that God called her to do and she did it with all of her heart. And you know what? I don't know what's going on in your world today. I don't care if you live in a million dollar house, if you drove up today in a Bentley, if you buy your clothes tailor-made and everybody knows your name in the whole state of Tennessee. If you aren't doing what Jesus Christ has called you to do, it won't matter. But if you will do what God's called you to do, there will be something that will outlive you. And I want to tell you, it's those things which outlive us that make all the difference in the world. You've been called to service. Are you fulfilling that service that God has called you to? Are you living your life to make a difference? Nobody may know your name on this earth, but if you do what God's called you to do, the Bible lets us know that it's written down in the heavenly records and that God himself take note of every time you give even a cup of cold water in his name.